Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Fat Lot of Good Podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. I'm a comedian, writer, and one half of the Scummy Mummies. And today, listener, I am very excited. I have, in real life, Juno Dawson in the house. Hello, Juno. Hello. Oh, now I've been following Juno for a few years now, and I'm so thrilled. You're here, in person. Yeah, It's so weird. I love meeting people off the internet in real life it's like people cr- it's like the girl from the ring yeah. it's like people crawling out of a screen and it's never not unsettling no yeah <laughs> I think it's really lovely it's like um, and also uh, we've sort of got a couple of mutual friends so mm-hmm. I was like I already know she's fabulous because not just because I love you and what you do and what you've done but I know that we have um, the wonderful Joe Elvin who mm-hmm. I adore and also Sarah Lee Donlan yeah so it's really lovely and I was like but anyway I'm waffling I'm just blowing smoke up her delicious ass. Ah, uh, I was at the gym yesterday with a personal trainer, so it should be looking delicious. Absolutely frankly. fabulous. And Thank and you. I can I just say she's wearing a Spice Girls t shirt mm-hmm. because that's where you're going tonight. It is, yeah. After ten <sighs> years we're back. I've been oh. on every one of their tours. Obviously the first question you asked for a Spice Girl fan, who are you? Who's your who Posh, always posh. Yeah. I used to well I was the quiet weird one and mm. I think and this is why then later I stand Nicola from Girls Aloud as well, because, you know, I will always vouch for the quiet, weird one who stands at the back and doesn't really sing very much. <laughs> always the best one. Um, now, I know, were you in a band? I was, with Sarah Lee. That's yeah, right. That's the connection. I've done a bit of digging. <laughs> I've done a bit of personal digging. Uh, so what, can oh, you tell me what the band was about? Yeah, so we, well, it started out, honestly, as a reaction to the fact that our boyfriends at the time were all in very, very serious kind of indie garage bands. Mm. And sort of like the wags, the the indie <laughs> band wives and girlfriends, we were like, you know, we should form a joke band. And it became, we conjured the title one day in the Pavilion Gardens in Brighton and it was called Cherry Filth and the Death Legs. Uh, well, This needs to be a thing. <laughs> well, it was and that's the strange thing. So from a joke, yeah. Kerry started, who was another band member, she started saying, well, you know, I can play the bass and Fiona can play keyboards. You and Sarah can kind of sing. <laughs> Why don't we do this? And so we started writing songs and, and of course as is the way with these things, Cherry Filth outlasted all of the terribly serious indie bands because we kind of got a bit of a name for ourselves on like the student gig circuit. Yeah. Because the songs, they were always very, very tongue-in-cheek. And we are talking about doing a comeback. We're all back in Brighton. And so, of course, now we would be Cherry Milf. 
Yes. Because <laughs> we're all well into our 30s. So possibly, yeah, a Cherry Milf reunion. Excellent. And what style of uh, music were you playing? It was kind of chaotic electro clash. It was around sort of 2004, 2005. So it was kind of very sort of Scissor Sisters-y oh, kind yeah. of gravy train, sort of Lady Tron. But it was... It was chaos. I mean, our our big hit was called Poo Lips, which I think, based on an experience I'd had on a dating profile with a man who wanted to eat my poop. And and so, yeah, so that was the level we were operating at. I'm not sure we were going to win an Ivan Avello. Look at it that way. Okay. All right. Well, we might talk about that later on. Not, not eating poo. Uh, just, you shouldn't do that. No, don't it do that. It can't be good for you. No judgment. But it no, can't be good for you. There are other things to put in your mouth. Let's just say that. Yeah. And uh, that's not on top of my list. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves, Juno. Who the fuck are you? What have you done? You've done amazing things. You're an award-winning author mm-hmm. uh, and, and podcaster now. Yes. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And a columnist. And that's actually how I discovered you, with your fabulous glamour column. Oh, I miss glamour. I love Joe Elvin. Mm. was Rob Man. That was my favourite magazine for forever and ever. Ever and ever. Never took itself too seriously. R.I.P. Glamour. Sense of humour. Bring it back. Bring it back. Um, you were also, an, now you can correct me, is LGBTQ plus yep. champion. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you have been a, uh, what do you, like a spokesperson for Stonewall for yeah. uh, schools and things mm-hmm. like that, but just more generally. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of. When you are a trans person in 2019 working in the media, by default, you get labelled as, oh, it's trans activist Juno Dawson. But I don't really do a lot. I mean, sometimes I will. Um, I do still, through Stonewall, I go into schools and talk to kids. But that they're very clear about my role, which is I just sort of go into schools and just sort of talk about myself and my career. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes... There have been times in the past where I've been drawn into sort of televised debates on news programs and things. But I've not really done any of that for about a year and a half, two years now, because I realized it was probably a more powerful message to just kind of do my job. Yeah. Um, Rarely, sometimes, if you are from a minority group, rarely actually are you just allowed to do your job. You know, you're called upon to talk about being a black woman or a disabled woman or a trans woman or a lesbian. And actually, sometimes I think... It's far more powerful to just be a very successful lesbian or a very successful trans woman or a very successful black woman because that's the activism in itself, yes. kind of. Yeah. So my activism is incredibly lazy because <laughs> I pretty much just do my job and walk my dog. Yeah. This is a uh, podcast about bodies. So I like mm-hmm. to ask our guests, how do you feel about your body now? How are you feeling today? Um, a bit warm, <laughs> um, but but that's true of this building. It is. Um, this is. This it's is, like it's a mild very, sauna. Yes. Um, it's funny. It's um, you know, like any woman, you have good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's all to do with getting older as well. Yeah. I think there were broadly sort of two or three spikes in my life where my relationship with my body had become quite combative, I mm-hmm. guess is the right word. Yeah. Um, now is not one of them. Yeah. I think maybe it's because I'm busy. Maybe it's because I'm happy. You know, my life is very settled at the moment. Um, great job, great boyfriend, just bought a house. Everything's very settled. And 
I think that's reflected in the relationship I have with my body. Yeah. And as well, um, like just yesterday I was with my personal trainer and taking on Fern, hello Fern if you're listening, taking on Fern felt like a positive step. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a mortgage advisor for my mortgage. I have a therapist for my head. What if I employ someone to take care of my body? Yeah. And that felt like taking control of something mm. and seeing Fern once a week, it feels like I'm on top of it. Yeah. So I don't need to worry. Yeah. And I'll almost let Fern worry. Do you know what? It's her job kind of to worry yeah. about my body. Um, and I had things, so I've, I've, had, I've got two big holidays this year. I've done one of them. I've just got back from Thailand. And then in about a month, we're going to Cyprus. And there is, of course, nothing scarier than the thought of beach wear and swimwear, especially for trans women when you've got a slightly weird relationship with your body anyway. And this was my first beach holiday post-transition. So I hadn't been on holiday since 2013. Wow, that's huge. Well, yeah, and a lot of that is tied into the transition. Like, I didn't look like this in the early days of my transition. And so it was kind of beach holidays just felt like an absolute no-go. So I took, like, city breaks and went to nice museums and stuff. Mm. Um, but beaches were absolutely not. And pre-Thailand was, I would say, one of those spikes yeah. where I was not in a good place. And the run-up to that holiday is why I hired Fern. Yeah. Because I was like, look. And it's... And what's lovely about this is I'm sure all your guests have said the same same thing, which is you're so able as an individual to sort of, I think, compartmentalise and know which bits of your body you're less happy with. Mm. Um, and I think that's important to almost start with the good bits. Yeah. So like, these are the bits I like, <laughs> but these are the areas that I would like to improve. And, I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to yeah. the book, but it's kind of like... My days of wanting to be a 16-year-old supermodel, it's not the one. And not yeah. what I want to be. I know. So you're at peace with that now? I'm at peace with yeah, I'm not yeah. going to be. I'm... And you look at, you look sensational. Thank you. But <laughs> but I'm my shoulders are always going to be broader than average. Yeah. Because, again, trans. And my shoulders did go through the wrong puberty. There's nothing we can do about that. Mm. And my sort of shoulder to hip ratio is going to be off. Yeah. Um, and so what I said to Fern is I was like, well, here's what I would like to do. So I want a bigger bum mm-hmm. and a smaller waist because that's the way that I can slightly – it's not about being skinnier. Mm. It's about changing the proportion, proportionizing, as yes. one of the RuPaul drag race queens <laughs> would no doubt say. And so that's what Fern does. So we yeah. we, we we never talk about weight loss. No. We never talk about food. It really is just about I want – a bigger butt or you know because I will be quite honest I had no butt no like, my, I was mine's disappeared flat ass <laughs> yeah. so it really was just about it so it's all squats all lunges and sure enough I have now got a bit of a you bum you felt the burn and now do, do, I can feel it now I can barely sit down I'm in actual <laughs> physical pain 
but that's the way it goes. Yeah. It? So. And it's, it's funny you should mention beach because I think beach is, it feels like the scariest place for mm-hmm. most people uh, who have hang-ups about their body. And we all do. Fuck mm-hmm. it. We all do. 100% of us do. And it's and it's that thing. And I think we are the biggest critics when it comes to, because you get out in a bikini on the beach, no one fucking cares. No one Because they're all having their own own mental um, issues about how they look and and all that sort of stuff. And it it was such a revelation a couple of years ago. It was two years ago I went to Italy and I went, I'm just going to buy a bikini and just see what happens. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing happened. And it, and, it, and it's so weird. And we do have these huge discussions in our head about, oh, my God, and if I do this and everyone will laugh at me and, and oh, God, and I'll have to cover up and what sort of kimono will I have to wear and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Moo-moo, like, yeah. Yes, a massive tent. Um, yeah, and it, it's so funny and, it, and it's so ingrained in us. Um, I, I wouldn't say from kids because there's that lovely freedom you have mm-hmm. as a child of you running around in the Just nude. naked, yeah. yeah. Free as a bird. Oh, it's lovely. But then, yeah, you hit about sort of 10 and I was seeing that with my own daughter she's like oh mummy am I chubby or you know is this meant to feel like this I'm like yes it is meant to that's your lovely body but yeah all the influences around so I mean when you were growing up when did you um start having I guess body awareness the horror yeah I mean body dysmorphia for trans people I mean the struggle is real Mm. so what I know is that by the time year nine camp came round, so I would have been 13, the dysmorphia was well underway. And actually I had to be sent home from camp because the notion of communal showers was so terrifying. Mm. I had an anxious breakdown and I had a panic attack so serious they sent me home. Oh, darling. But... That was the first thing I remember. So that didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. So presumably the anxiety had already started before that Mm. because there's no way it came out of nowhere on that camp. Um, That was like the real trigger. Yeah. Because that's really confronting. Mm. And that was the first major panic attack I think I ever really had. So I would have been about 13. Mm. So I know that it was already there. Um. And a general sense that my body didn't look right and that it certainly didn't look or feel like a boy's body. Mm. And I could sort of perceive sort of boys around me and sort of think, well, I don't sort of really look like that. And I knew I didn't look like a girl either. Mm. And, you know, the, the sense of shame and the sense of ridicule that I felt I would receive just meant, it was a complete disengagement and, you know, this this hilarious idea that, you know, trans women are trying to find a way into sport. <gasps> no, because <laughs> that was not the one. You yeah. know, I, you know, I pretended to have a bad back for about six years. I didn't do PE through all of high school. Yeah. I had a fictional bad back, mm. which my poor parents spent an awful lot of money trying to fix. <laughs> oh, darling. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of... It's PE has come up again and again on this podcast. Uh, we had the wonderful Sophie Hagen on the podcast, mm-hmm. and she she was oh she's the best. And she was she was shamed when she was eight years old. Uh, the PE teacher said, "You all have to have a shower. You ought to get nude." She's like, "No, I don't want to." And she said, "We all have to wait until Sophie has a shower." Like the the shame that PE teachers have inflicted. Um, not all PE teachers, just quite a few. Um, oh, it has it hasn't changed actually. Yeah. I don't think in particular because you do a lot of work. With obviously adolescents yep. and your books are a lot of your books are being um, targeted. Targeted? That's not right. You've written yeah. young adult fic- fiction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sort of the YA reader starts from about twelve and doesn't stop. Yeah. But it's kind of I know certainly 
I mean, PE reform is certainly something that I've talked a lot about and talked about in the gender games as well, that it's just just trying to make young people get naked at the most critical point in their identity development, mm. not the one. Yeah. And I think this, you know, especially LGBTQ kids, you're going through enough. Don't make them strip in public, mm. you know. And I've never been to a gym or a communal changing room where as adults we're expected to do this, as yeah. adults we're afforded as much privacy as we want. Yeah. Why aren't we affording that same privacy to adolescents who are already having a really difficult time? Oh, it's horrific. Give them a cubicle. Build schools with cubicles. Yeah, exactly. How hard can it be? Absolutely. I just remember, and I have mentioned this story on the podcast before, when I was 12, uh, we had swimming, and I was the first one to get pubic hair. And, you know, for me that was horrific. I remember shaving it off and getting oh, horrible no. shaving rash and all that stuff, but I... I, I had I had, a, I had a bit of a bush and I just remember um, all the kids going, oh, my God, Helen's got, Helen's got pubic hair. And like, and then they just kept talking about it for weeks. And I was like, and I felt such shame, which was a perfectly normal thing to have hair on your body, apparently. We're not meant to. Uh, um, yeah, so I just think, you know, that could have been avoided. They're like, oh, it's all, you're all bodies, it's all fine. Mm-hmm. But no, you're allowed to feel private about that sort of thing. I'll just scrap PE. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, do you know, the funny thing is, because then when I swear briefly was, I did five years as a PE teacher and I used to, not PE teacher, sorry, just a primary school teacher. Mm. I used to love teaching PE, but I was very aware that I wanted to make it as fun as possible. Mm. And if kids wanted to go off and get changed in a toilet, I just let them, Yeah, you know, just, I mean, granted, they were like, what, 10? Mm. But just, it was, yes, super, super good fun. Yeah. And... Certainly, I think gets the issue of showers. Like, do we need to be shower? I don't shower at the gym because yeah. I live like thirty seconds from my gym, so I just go home and shower there, kind of. Yeah. So it's, I, I think, I mean, no child is sweating that much during no, pee that they fine. would need. I mean, the effort that most teenagers put into pee as well. I, I don't think barely breaking a sweat. So <laughs> that's right. And I think yeah, just learning to love your body and movement and that kind of exercise. Yeah. We were never. It was all about competitiveness and who could run the fastest and all that sort of thing. And the other thing as well that I think would change PE for a generation, let them choose their activity. Fantastic. If, you know, if I'd been allowed as a teenager, had I been allowed to do badminton, netball, gymnastics, dance and athletics, Mm. I wouldn't have needed to have that conversation. Yeah. It was the fact that they put me, a gender non-conforming, eight-stone child on a rugby pitch. Yes. Left both physical and mental scars, frankly. Yeah. So, <laughs> And did you go to an all-boys school? No, thank God. All right. So I don't you... think I would have survived. I think I would have probably tried to kill myself. Yeah, so, right. So thank God. No, no. that's... <laughs> There was a, there was an outlet. Now, um, mm-hmm. I want to get to back to your um, glamour column because that's how I discovered you. And so, was it over eighteen months that you? What? Yeah, I think I did twenty two. So it's about two years. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you um sort of tracked your transition through yeah. your monthly column, which was fabulous. Thank you. And and what a great opportunity for well for you, but for also the readers yeah. to to go that through that journey with you obviously not the physical side of things but um but um can you tell us about why you decided to do the column i mean it came about quite organically i was in donna porter's pop-up shop off of carnaby oh. street and she was like you should write about this and i was like i probably will and she was like i'm going to give you joelvin's email 
And so it was all down to Don mm. and because Don was already writing for Glamour. And then I went to meet Joe Elvin and we sort of talked about what we would do. Joe Elvin was so great. And what I loved about Joe is that she wasn't scared to say, I know nothing about this. Yeah. But she was so receptive and so willing to learn. But what was interesting now when I look back at those columns is I didn't know what I was talking about either. And I think mm. it really shows. But there is something about the naivety of it that I think works. Mm. So at the time, I thought I was such an expert on what was happening to me and what was going to happen to my life. But what was interesting about those columns is that it was a complete eye of the storm moment. My life was in complete upheaval. Mm. My body was changing. My life was changing. The transphobia and the scrutiny you get is at its worst at the beginning of your transition because you look sort of quite different and, you know, you're trying to signal to the world that you're a woman, but you kind of still look like sort of like you're somewhere in between genders. Um, you know, I was, you know, br at the time I had bright red hair and loads of makeup, wearing women's clothes, but my body hadn't massively changed because I hadn't started on hormone treatment. And so, you know, you are targeted way more for ridicule and way more for sort of transphobic abuse in public. And my life was really difficult for mm. those two years. And so I think on one hand, I look back at some of the things I said and I cringe. But on the other hand, I'm like, Joe got me at a really interesting and crucial moment in my life. If you were to say now, you know, would you recommend that a trans person in the first two years of their transition made that process public? Yeah. I would say no. <laughs> like self-care, yeah. protect yourself. Yeah. This is not a time in your life where you need to be even more vulnerable. Mm. But as a snapshot of a woman at a really difficult time in her life, yeah, and I think it captures that. And I think sometimes you can... I didn't realise how vulnerable I was, but I think it shines through. Yeah. A couple of them were quite raw. Yeah, and there was there's a nice reflective your the the last of your columns are mm. quite reflective about what you learnt and and um and who helped you through. Yeah. And can you can you describe for the listener like so the process, how long has that process taken? Like when because mm. you, you spoke in the column about um you were gay and then realised that that's not really who you were. Yeah. So I think it's funny because there's obviously so much conversation about trans children. Yeah. But here's the twist. Any trans adult was a trans child. Right. There it's you go. It's just that we hadn't, started, we just hadn't <laughs> started our transition yet. Right. So I think I was born trans. It was always going to happen. Um, you know, the earliest memories I have are asking my mum when I was going to become a girl and... As a child, I very vividly imagined the woman I was going to become. You know, I never pictured myself growing into a man. And for me, that's always, you know, the interesting thing. I, I suspect if you were to capture a trans child at any age and say, draw a picture of yourself as an adult, yeah. they would draw the right kind of adult. Okay. And that was true of me. You know, even into my teens, you know, when I went through my 90s craft phase, mm -hmm. I thought, right, if I became a powerful witch, I would be able to do that thing that she does in the film where I kind of conjured myself into a woman. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. um, there's a reason all trans people really love the craft and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'll just put that one out there. And, um, and so, yeah, so it was um, a funny one, really, which is, I see transition 
it wasn't a process of changing who I was. It was a process of becoming who I was. So I think it is a process of becoming, not change. Um, And so everything that I was before 2014 wasn't really me. Mm. And, you know, I went through lots of itinerations. My goth phase... um, you know, I, I knew I liked boys. Yeah. So I figured, well, I guess I must be gay. And like a really key turning point for me was in about 2013, where I was sat with a bunch of gay men having having brunch. <laughs> it's quite typical, isn't it? Quite stereotypical. <laughs> a bunch of white gay I men. I can't having, imagine it. <laughs> a bunch of white gay men having brunch. And all of a sudden I was just so hungover and I was despairing and I was talking about my gender. And I just said, but God, didn't we all want to be women when we were kids? Mm. And this table of gay men were like no right no we we have always known we were men we love being men and we also love men and I was like oh shit and that was such a eureka moment of kind of that fundamental difference between a gay man fundamentally a man who likes men and a trans heterosexual woman yeah a woman who likes men so it was just that was a real moment and and so that was kind of the real turning point. So I don't regret my 20s. I yeah. do wish I'd started my transition sooner so that I could have just had more of my life. Yeah. But actually, my 20s were kind of a blast. <laughs> so I can't really complain too much. And as well, you know, often this way, so people who've known me since childhood, mm. they're surprised at how little I've actually changed. Yeah. It's just that now they're kind of getting me at my best. They're seeing a happier, freer version of the person they've always known. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's like Pokemon. If you're a fan of Pokemon, there you, you know that we all have our final form. <laughs> yeah. And this was my <laughs> final form. Yes. Fully evolved. Yes, you just needed... All the bits in place. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, you know, and the bit that the glamour column captured was the, I guess it is, it was just an outward transformation mm. where the outsides started to match what was on the inside. Yeah. And I suppose that's the bit that's very public. It's mm. very visible. Yeah. Um, and so that's the bit that sometimes people can latch on to. Mm. But you know, this is it now. You know, yeah. it's kind of the, the twist has played out, yeah. you know, kind of. And then you just become quite boring. Yeah. And your life is just like any other woman's, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And and it, and it's one of those things, and you write so well about it, it's like, it's not like you decide, you go to the clinic, it's changed, you d- you're done in a week. It's such a long, mm. it's such a long process oh, for you. Li- lifelong. Yeah. But now, th- and this again, it sounds like I'm being trite or it sounds like I'm being a bit, a bit woolly, but I always sort of, I lean in and say, who among us isn't going through change? Yeah. And it's like, again, sort of like mind blown. Yeah. You know, we're all getting older. You know, women in particular, I think women go through much more noticeable transitions through their life, whether it's starting to menstruate, um, whether or not to become a mother, because, you know, people don't scrutinise men becoming fathers in the Fuck way that no. women are scrutinised. Yeah. And then, of course, menopause is a huge transition that, that women will go through. So I think that all of us change mm. as we get older. Um, women, I think, change arguably a little bit more than men. And trans women, <laughs> quite a noticeable and <laughs> fundamental change. Yeah. And that's true of trans men as well. As well. Yeah. But then, you know, you know, transition is a very personal thing. You know, mm. not all trans people go through surgeries, you know. Yeah. But if if you are transitioning, yes, your body is going through an enormous change. And of course, the medication I take is HRT. And that's it. Yeah. So I'm on the same medication that lots of other menopausal women are on as well. So yeah. it's, it's all the same stuff. And what what does the HRT do for you then? Just because I don't, I don't mm. know. I will probably be on it, you know, tomorrow. I'm a woman in my 40s. <laughs> I mean, HRT, so it was, I didn't get the the sort of, the very dramatic changes that can happen, they start you off in an incredibly low dose. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a mistake to start pounding 10 milligrams of oestrogen a day because you go, you go mad. Yeah. The, mood, <laughs> the mood swings are so out there. But there was, there was a period where all of a sudden I realised, Juno, why are you crying at this picture of a dog? Right. You've never cried at the picture of a dog. And so a lot of the symptoms that I started to get in the early days of HRT were what a lot of women would prescribe as premenstrual. Yeah. And because, of course, you're flooding your body with estrogen. Yeah. And at the same time also, so I do take another medication as well, which blocks off all the testosterone. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Which means that possibly, you know, you, it lowers your sex drive, mm-hmm. perhaps less, less anger, less frustration, less aggression. So I need that for my husband. (laughs) Well, 
I mean, the thing is, we know where sex drive comes from. Yeah. If you are a horny person, it's because of testosterone in your body. Yeah. You know, it, and that's true of men and women yeah. and cis women and cis men and trans women and trans men. Mm. It's all testosterone and androgen. So I block off my testosterone and I take some additional estrogen. And that has basically told my body, oh, this is more in line with the majority of women. Yeah. Because, of course, there are cisgender women who have more testosterone than some um, cisgender men, which is yeah. how we've got um, people like Casta Semenya and why there's a lot of fuss about Casta Semenya, who is in every way, shape and form, a biological woman, mm -hmm. but she just so happens to be a woman with loads of testosterone in her body because that's the way nature designed her, kind yeah. of. Um, that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, the estrogen over, so I've been on the estrogen for about four years now. It's what given, it's what's given me some nice boobs. Thank, I thank, thank you, estrogen. Because <laughs> I didn't, I must admit, I didn't want a boob job. I would yeah. never criticise a woman who did have a boob job. But on a personal level, I didn't like the idea of having something put in. Yeah. Like. And does um, that mean you've got, you, do you have nipple sensation still? Because that's one of the things yeah. about getting a boob job. You get you, I mean, you lose your. We're both we're both grabbing out. Right the, the, the weird thing is, I must admit, it's a bit like you know the magic porridge pot. I'm yeah. slightly stop little pot stop because yeah. they're still growing. Oh, and this has been a bit strange. And even even the doctors who I see at the gender clinic are a bit like. By now they should have stopped. <laughs> they shouldn't still be growing. Yeah, but you know I was a cup cool yeah b cup great because i'm quite slender so i was like cool that's that's then all in proportion kept yeah. going into c cup and i'm like if i'm gonna start to look because again as pointed out i don't have much of an ass yeah so i'm gonna start to look a bit top heavy so yeah. i'm kind of like stop little that, stop little pop little, stop little, little bit oh yeah if you do more because one of the things when i started doing gym work is your boobs start shrinking so mm. it sounds like fern's gonna sort it all out yeah so i think and it's funny, I'm now the same bra size as my mum. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah. let's, let's maybe there is something biological in that, I don't know. But that was cool because, mm. you know, I have had bits of surgeries and, you know, having been through, what, three or four general anaesthetics now, I'm just kind of like, do you know, it really takes it out of you. And recovery, oh, months yeah. of recovery. So mm. I was like, do you know what, if you don't have to get a boob job, just don't. Yeah. And and grow your own. Grow your own, yeah. <laughs> Locally <then>. sourced. <laughs> exactly. Organic. That's but it. again, that's absolutely no judgment on any woman oh, who God. would seek to have a breast enlargement. I mean, it's your body. Oh, absolutely. God, there's some good a few of my friends have had them and they are spectacular. Mm -hmm. Cannot keep my eyes off their tits. <laughs> They are what my boobs will never be or never were. I think they, they've always been sort of big. And I just, I, I was one of those kids who just went from naught to mm -hmm. big. That was. Bizarre. Although, do you follow Michelle Visage on social yeah. media? So she's just had implants out and she's talking a lot about, she believes, and I think a lot of women believe that her implants made her sick. Really? Yeah. So it's really, she's a really strict reading. vegan and she's really, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. So she had implants a very long time ago and she is convinced and there's there's some research to back it up that her implants were making her poorly. Oh, God. So it's something worth reading about. Yes. And I would like to learn more about it. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Now, 
sitting in front of me, Juno, is your new book. Hi, Meat Market. And now, yes, Meat Market is fabulous. Um, it's an absolutely unputdownable book. Thank um, you. I was reading it, uh, in fact, yesterday, and it is fantastic. Now, I could bang on about it, but I won't do it as well as you. So, can you tell the listeners about your fabulous new book, which really covers a lot of what we've been talking about yeah. so far? So, it's about a girl called Yana. She is a girl from Southwest London, and. On the first page of the book, she is scouted by a modelling agency when she's at Thorpe Park theme park. And initially, given that she comes from a family who are struggling a little bit financially, she decides this could be her golden ticket. And that this is an opportunity for a 16-year-old girl to make a lot of money very quickly and and off she goes. But very gradually, bit by bit, she starts to realise there are people in the fashion industry who are seeking to exploit girls like Yana. And then about halfway through the book, something terrible happens to Yana. She is assaulted, I think it's fair to say, and she has to decide whether or not to speak out. And it's very much about that turning point in the book. Mm. It is it is definitely a page turner. And this follows up. So your book before this one was called Clean, which mm-hmm. was loved universally. And what yeah. was it? It was the winner of Cosmopolitan's Big Book Must Reads Award as well. Yeah. I mean, nice. thank, goodness, thank God for Clean. Clean has opened a lot of doors for me. It did really well. And we, we weren't expecting it to be like the beach read of 2018, but it did so well. Thank you, Cosmopolitan. Their support really took yeah. it into a different league. Um, and yes, the meat market is the follow-up. It's set in the same world as Clean, but it's not a sequel. It's completely yeah. new characters and a completely new story. But I'm, you know, I lived in London for a long time, and I wanted to tell stories about different sides of London. And through glamour and through a lot of friends I have, I got to look through some doors into the world of fashion mm. and. I loved some of what I saw. I love clothes and I love dressing up, but I didn't like some of what I saw. And I think there's been an element of Stockholm Syndrome. Mm. People consider themselves to be so lucky to work in fashion that they've become blind to the fact that a lot of these girls are being treated really badly. Yeah, because there's some really alarming bits uh, in the book where she sort of goes to the people in charge, like mm-hmm. her modelling agency, and said, "Look, this has happened." They're like, "Oh, that's just what he's like," you know, yeah. you know. And no, but but it, it is what it is. It was is an assault. It was assault, and um and she's let down by the people who are meant to protect, protect her. her. And um, no, it's such a it's such a it's such a great book, and um, and I'd love my when my daughter's just slightly older mm-hmm. <laughs> to read it. I mean, I do. I'm because oh, I don't. I mean, I don't want to. I would never, ever, ever, ever slag off any other YA writers, mm. but it's a frustration with the industry in the UK that they do see it slightly as being children's books plus Mm. like with a follow-on milk to children's books yeah and that's not how i regarded teen fiction i grew up on judy bloom yeah it was tackling some really big juicy things i was about to say whenever i think juicy bloom juicy bloom it is juicy bloom it's juicy bloom yeah (laughs) but i liked virginia andrews and books like that that's what i was reading when i was a teenager flowers in the attic deals with incest yeah you know i kind of wanted to take issues that real young women are Mm. dealing with and both clean and meat market take issues which they're not pretty they're not nice they're not necessarily politically correct they're not necessarily 
child friendly. They're certainly not PG thirteen. Yeah, but they are absolutely what thirteen year olds are talking about, whether、mm. we like it or not. Yeah, and the great some of the other great themes in the book is about friendship and knowing who your friends、uh-huh. are, and、um, that's really important. And her and her boyfriend as well. And、oh, I think I love Ferdy. Oh, Ferdy, love. He's one of my favorite characters. I think I've ever created. Yeah, he's so solid and and loving and devoted, and and also I I love. There's a scene in the book where、um, Yana goes back to school and she's just sort of made it as a model,、mm-hmm. and then she hears. The girls bitching about her in the toilet, <laughs> and and it was it Laurel, 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 Laurel,、yeah. Laurel, traitor, traitorous、oh, Laurel, Laurel,、um, slags her off, and I was like, oh, you cow, you've got to be beside your friend, and、mm-hmm. and it, the jealousy and the and and all that sort of bitterness, but but that's real life, and I'm seeing that now with my daughters in year five, and all the jealousy and all the nut na- the nastiest things that will come out of girls' mouths and boys,、mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, I think I think young women will really love it. I love the book so much as well. Well, Thank you. So brilliant! And so, what what's next after Meat Market? Are you writing your next? <laughs> I'm next still、hint? I'm still writing Meat Market because、yeah. it's in adaptation. So oh, the wow. lovely people at Unstoppable TV, and、um, so that's Noel Clark and Jason Matz's.、Um, Production company. They bought the rights before I'd finished the book. To be honest, they、wow. were very on it, and they have asked me to adapt it. So we are taking Yana and Ferdy and her friends and turning it into kind of a gritty teen drama, a bit like Sex Education. Obviously, there's been a lot of chat around skins, sex、yeah. education. So fingers crossed that Meat Market will be coming to a. Streaming platform near you. Excellent!、Soon. I want this to happen. Now, I was mentioning friends as a theme in your book, but um, and we mentioned we have mutual friends. I have a message to read、uh, from Sarah Lee. <gasps> no、Dornan. way! Oh my gosh! So this is um a dear friend who was in the band, and she says, "Do you know how is it possible that we have been fully grown lady friends for at least fifteen years when we are both practically teenagers? <laughs> I am so proud of." Everything that you have achieved and your immense courage, you are ridiculously talented, and I'm in awe of your determination and strength. I will always be there to make you post-operative fish finger sandwich, poo lips forever. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Yay! Oh, <laughs> oh no! The, no, here's the tea.、Um, Sarah Lee made me fish finger sandwiches after my first nurse job, which went so badly. I then had to have another one. Oh, so, <laughs> so、um, yeah. So no, I mean. Yeah. So, and I mean, it is terrifying to think that Sarah Lee and I first met in two thousand and three. Wow! Just it's so long ago.、Um, frightening, frightening times. But yeah, we, you know, I what I love about your girlfriends is you know that we're lifers.、Mm. Now we have a life sentence. I don't know. We don't know where life is going to take us.、Um, but. I've, you know, the girlfriends that I are my ride or dies. Now we're talking twenty, twenty-five year friendships. It's incredible, isn't and it? And I don't think you know we can't shift each other. I think we're in it for the long haul. Oh, it's so lovely. We're going to some quick fire questions、mm-hmm. before we do. What would you like to plug? What would you? We can. How do people follow you, Juno? So I'm at Juno Dawson on everything.、Mm-hmm. Well, actually, just Twitter and Instagram.、Um, And yeah, that, I guess that's the best place. And then, depending on when this goes out, I'm going to be touring Meat Market. We're calling it the Meet and Greet. Can you see what we've done there? See what you've done、Tour、there throughout July, so、yes. people can catch me through July and August.、Um, and yeah.、Um, I hope people enjoy Meat Market. So far, so good with the reviews. It's brilliant. So,、yeah. it's, oh, I, I really love it. And and also, you've got your other 
uh, many other books, but this book is gay. Still going strong. Yep. Um, this book is gay has been out now for a long time, but that's a perennial. Yeah. And an honest, evergreen. An evergreen. Yes. Well, that's yeah. this book is gay that has kept my career ticking over. Every yeah. once in a while I get like a check from America and, you know, it's kind of just ticking on. There's an anthology out called Proud as well. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year I curated um, and especially if out there, if there's any teachers listening, I would love, love, love teachers and librarians to get a copy of Proud for the school library because I think it's so important for LGBTQ youth to sort of see those little signs mm. that their school is a safe space. Yeah. And by seeing a copy of Proud or This Book is Gay in a library and the very upfront books, they know that their school is supportive. And I think that's really important. Excellent, excellent. Now, Gino, are you ready for a quick fire? My body is ready. Excellent. Okay, let's go. What makes you feel sexy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this lingerie but yes. nice lingerie am I allowed to plug a company you can you can say brands playful, playful promises playful promises I love promises. them it's classy but sexy um, I love it are love you wearing them. them right now she's got a hint of pink what's this one this she's not it's, this is autograph it's the oh. Rosie Rosie what's the oh, face yeah, yeah, yeah. from Marks and Spencer yeah nice very nice excellent lingerie it is what's your most favourite thing to put in your body Dick. What? Hey! No. Cock! Um, oh, are you allowed to You're say, allowed to say dick. Um, although, actually, that's a lie. So, for my boyfriend who is probably listening to this, of course, your penis. Actually, Haribo Starmix. I'm not <laughs> even going to lie. I, the first answer was a lie. <laughs> every day, every day as opposed to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like everyday food as opposed to sometimes food. What's your most embarrassing body moment? Can I do a serious one? Yes, you can. We've not talked about I have really bad IBS. Yes, so, let's, let's talk poos. So, so yes, yeah, so um, I've never actually shit myself, but I live in constant fear of the day when I might. Yeah. And I've actually had to kind of accept that IBS, you know, a lot of people suffer from it and it, it disproportionately affects women. Yeah. So And it's never talked about. We never talk no. about things like this. And um, so, yeah, so th- there's been, you know, there isn't a public toilet in London that I'm not familiar with. I know yeah. where they all are. I could Quick put together exit. the definitive map. You need your app. You need an IBS app, man. Is there an IBS app? No, we should, should create be. it. We should. Millions. You're not allowed to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's ours. It's copyrighted. <laughs> We've done it. And just, it's like an Uber. Yeah. Like for, just like, you can but go I will to, say Liberties in London. Go downstairs oh. into the shoe department and they have a lovely toilet. They have a gorgeous, yes. Many a poop in Liberties. Thank you very much. <laughs> Love you, Liberties. The Hall of Fat Fame. We like to herald uh, wonderful women and men who who lift us up. Who would you put in? Who inspires you the most? Um, I am going to go for Stephanie Yeboa. Mm-hmm. She's a tweeter um, and she is just so wonderful about being a plus-size woman of colour. She's fearless and I love her. Excellent. She's, she's certainly, at the moment, she's inspiring me. So, Excellent. Stephanie, you're in. And finally, Vatspiration. What is your mantra? What are the words that get you through? Hmm. No one is thinking about you as much as you are. True. And I think knowing that, the fact that no one else really gives a shit about you, I think, is actually very powerful. <laughs> yeah. It enables you to live without ego, which mm. I think is good. Excellent. Juno, 
I don't want it to end, but it must. Oh, thank you. You are, you are even more brilliant in real life than oh. you are on the squares and in the written word. Uh, do, 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 do buy a copy of Meat Market. It's absolutely brilliant. And follow Gino on all the things. Yay, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. All right. You've been listening to the Fat Lot of Good podcast. It's been hosted by me, Helen Thorne. Uh, The producer is Emma Corsham and the music is by John Thorne. Please rate, review and subscribe. You've been an amazing guest, you know, and you've been an amazing listener. Thank you so much. Until next time. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.